Gospel of John, and as I said, I'm not going to try to go verse by verse, line by line, because there's just too much there. But after a month, we're still in chapter one, so <laughs> actually we're we're going to start in chapter one, but we're going to jump to chapter eight as well. So if you turn to the Gospel of John, chapter one, you'll notice that in verse four, and last week we did talk, actually two weeks ago, we talked about in him was life, talking about the word. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and apart from him was nothing made by that was made. That's We got that far, that he was the creator. And then we talked about in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And we talked about that the day we had communion. And the next week we talked about I am the bread of life in John chapter 6 because Jesus talked about that specific aspect of being the life. Later he'll talk about I am the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And we touched on that last week. But this week <clears throat> we want to talk about the character of Christ that says that he is light. Uh, I like the book of John partly because John, amongst all the writers of the New Testament, concentrates on the person of Christ, who he is and was, and his deity. He makes no apology for, for that. He doesn't try to, you know, sandwich it in amongst, amongst a bunch of other things. He begins with Jesus Christ, the Word, the one that communicates with us. And as we go back through the Old Testament, we saw that that was the literal truth, that whenever God showed up to talk with people, it turned out it was Jesus. We didn't know that, just reading it. If we didn't, if we didn't know some more of the Bible, we would look at the book of Genesis and think, well, no, people saw God real frequently. He showed up. I mean, he, he walked in the garden, and Adam and Eve ran away. He talked with Adam, or not Adam, Abraham, and Abraham fed him a beef sandwich and a glass of milk. Okay, it wasn't a sandwich, maybe, it was, but it was bread and milk and beef and butter. And if I had that, I'd make a beef sandwich and have a glass of milk, okay? They might have had tortillas, I don't know. <clears throat> but we'd think, well, then people saw God all the time. But when we got to Moses in the book of Exodus, and he wanted to see God, and God says, no man can see my face and live, we think, whoa, 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 whoa. A whole bunch of people saw your face and lived. Jacob got in a wrestling match with you, and all he got is a broken hip. Well, dislocated. How could you say nobody's seen him? And when we get to John 1.18, we see no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who's in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him unto us. So the person of the Godhead who demonstrated God to us, who showed God to us face to face, who talked to us face to face. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 says that God who at sundry times and in diverse manners has spoken unto the fathers, the, the, our patriarchs, the fathers by the prophet has in these last days spoken unto us by his son, that Jesus is the communicator of God, that he is the word. We talked about that too. But today he says he's in him was life, and the life was the light of men. So all these things that we've talked about so far, it turns out they're borne out by the Old Testament completely and demonstrated over and over in the New Testament as well. All these truths about Jesus. So let's go back to the beginning of time and see how the Scripture supports the idea that Jesus is the light. Because in John 8, 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Right? He makes 
eight I am statements in the book of John. He says, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the light of the world. He says, I am the door to come into the sheepfold. He says, I am the good shepherd. There's a bunch of I am's like that. Okay. Uh, and that's kind of what we're dealing with here. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. If you can hold your finger here in First John, in John, we're coming back, I promise. In Genesis chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 3, and Ms. Jan was quoting this this morning, it says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And he called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. All right, well, you might say, well, yeah, but that was physical light, Chet. Yeah, it was. But you want to remember that prior to that, what he said is that he had created the earth, and the earth was void and without form, and darkness covered the face of the deep. But see, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, This is the message we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light, and apart from him, uh, excuse me, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Okay. If God is light, then where was the light when he created the earth? Well, he had excluded it while he was creating the earth. But then it says, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And the light was good, now we're talking physical light. But he hadn't created the sun and the moon and the stars yet. They got created on day four. Or, yeah, four. So where was the light coming from? It was coming from God. In fact, in Revelation chapter 22 or 21, Revelation chapter 21, verse 23, it says this, that the city, the new heaven, new heaven and earth, new Jerusalem, it says the city will have no need of the sun or the moon or a lamp, as the Lamb will be the light. The same one that was the source of light prior to the sun and the moon and the stars. In fact, in our evening study in the book of Genesis, which you missed if you haven't been coming to the Wednesday night Bible study, we found that, that God was the source of light then. And in fact, the light holders, the sun and the moon and the stars, were given specifically as timekeepers, as a clock. They were given for, for years and for seasons and for days and for months and for weeks. There are timepiece. The time is created specifically for us, that God lives outside of time. Time is not an issue for him. But when God said, let there, let there be light, and then he says he divided the light from the darkness, how, you, know, I mean, you don't need to do that. I mean, light always dispels darkness. Uh, it, it, light and dark can't coexist. Any light dispels darkness to whatever extent it can within the sphere of influence where it can reach. Light dispels darkness. That's what light does. In fact, darkness is only defined in terms of the relative absence of light. And you say, well, it's getting dark. What do you mean? There's less light. You, you, you can go to the hardware store or any place and buy a flashlight. You can't buy a flash dark no matter where you look. See, dark doesn't have any substance of its own. It only exists as the lack of light. So for God to separate the dark light from the darkness meant that he had to limit the light. When he first said, let there be light, it apparently permeated the entire universe. There was no place that wasn't subject to the light of God. And when he separated the light from the darkness, he made it a one-point source so that as the earth that he had just created was rotating, 
under that one light, it had a light and dark side. And it says, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. So we saw that from Genesis chapter 1. And we saw that he was the only source of light in the beginning. And he will be, as we read in Genesis chapter 21, not Genesis, Revelation chapter 21, he will be the only source of light again when time ends because we won't need the sun and the moon and the stars again. So what about today? Well, the light in the world today, the New Testament spells out the truth. We already quoted the verse in 1 John 1, 5, where it says, this is the message that we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. In this instance, it's not talking about physical light. It's talking about moral light, spiritual light. <clears throat> And the context goes on to talk about our response to that light and our fellowship or lack of fellowship with God, our relationship with God based on our response to that light. And different creatures respond differently to physical light. Green plants absorb that light and use uh, this process of photosynthesis that's pretty mysterious to create cellulose, uh, living matter, from light and carbon dioxide and water, which are all, well, from our perspective, non-living. That that light is the energy that makes the physical possibility of green plants making life. And by the way, they're the only creatures that we're aware of that can take physical light and carbon dioxide and water and make life. And all the other living creatures depend on the green plants at one level or another for life. There are some that, like a mushroom, it doesn't like light, but it does live on dead green plants and sometimes dead animals. But the, the animals all ultimately depend on green plants. Snakes don't eat them, but they eat animals that eat them. You know, that, that most animals eat green plants. Snakes are all predators, but they all eat animals that eat green plants, so they get the green plants too. They're all dependent on the light through the green plants for life. But they still respond differently to light. There, now, there may be one exception that we're currently thinking over. It may be not dependent on the sun, but there are some tiny organisms that live by hot vents of water on the ocean floor in extreme depths where volcanic action is bringing up uh, mineral-rich uh, mineral waters that are high temperature as well. And there's some critters that are living there that are getting their energy from that. Uh, but I don't know if there's any other things that they may, they may be ultimately dependent on the green plants too. There may be green matter that they're getting off the ocean floor. I don't know. <clears throat> Animal life is somewhat divided in its response to physical life. Cockroaches and rats pretty much run when you turn the lights on. I remember in Mississippi when I was a child coming into the pantry and turning on the lights and seeing cockroaches running for the... It turned out there's another bug down there that I thought was a big cockroach. They, they call them palmetto bugs. Uh, I mean, they're that big, these dark brown, shiny bugs. Uh, they may not really be cockroaches. Either way, when the lights came on, all these critters went running for a dark place to hide. Rats pretty much do the same thing. Not pet rats. I'm talking about wild rats. Usually when the lights come on, the rats run away. There, there are some that get bold and live right out in broad daylight, but 
in general, they don't like the light. J. Vernon McGee told how when he was a young boy, he got sent out to feed the animals in the barn and took a lantern with him at night, uh, partly so he could see what he was doing and partly because little kids tend to be a bit afraid of the dark. But, and I'm sure the fear of the dark went away in later years, but our dependence on being able to see things via light doesn't go away. That's how we see. Everything has to have light to see even cats and owls and things that we think can see in the dark. Well, they can see in more dark than we can. They can see with less light than we have to have, but they still depend on light to be able to see. But anyway, he'd walk into, these barn, into his barn with that lantern, and he said two things happened instantly. The rats that had been foraging for food on the floor of the barn, going through animal droppings and, and dropped feed and so forth for food, ran for a cover. But there were birds roosting up in the rafters of the barn. They thought it was sunrise, and they started singing. So now it's the same light. It was the same light, but utterly different responses. The one was glad, oh, it's morning already. And they started singing their little good morning songs. I'm pretty sure it's actually territorial. But anyway, that's the way we look at it. The birds think it's nice this morning, and we like it too. But the rats knew that that light was from a human source and they were scared and they wanted to run away. That's a good principle to recognize in life. The nature of the person is revealed by their response to God's light. Jesus said that. In John chapter 3, if you want to turn slightly ahead of where we are right now, John chapter 3, verses 19 through 21, he says, and this is the condemnation, the light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. For everyone that does evil hates the light, neither open, excuse me, neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. The character of the person is revealed by their response to the light. The character of the world is revealed by its response to the light. If you ever wonder why the world's going one way and the church always seems to be going some other direction, it's not because we're a bunch of knotheads. Uh, that could be too, but it's not because of that. It's because we're responding differently to the light than they are. A lady yesterday was telling me how she had been in this, she thought it was like a lady's Bible study. It was a quilting bee type thing from the church she was in, and they would have these devotionals every week. But there, she noticed they were never using the Bible. They were always using the daily bread, which you know, there's always a Bible verse in there, but they didn't, they're always using that. Well, when it came her turn to bring the devotional, she read Psalm 46, which is pretty short. They couldn't stand it. They didn't want to hear that. Some of them got up from the table and started walking around the room talking real loud, trying to drown her out. And somebody the next week brought her her own copy of the daily bread. That way you don't have to waste our time listening to the Bible. That's what they said in her church. Okay, that's, a, that's an utterly different response to the light than we are supposed to be having. Okay, and they were calling themselves a church. So the character of the world, the character of anybody, is revealed by their response to the light. Now in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. See, some flee from that light and some follow it. He says, he that followeth me. 
shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. You have to determine what your response is going to be to the light of the world. Most of you, if not all, have already responded to him initially by placing your faith in him as your savior. But you still have an old nature. You're still quite capable of turning off the light and walking in darkness. So am I. There's a very good reason that bar rooms are usually very dark places. The practices of those who frequent such places don't reflect a love of the light. They want their attitudes and actions to be hidden. They don't want people to see what kind of people they really are. As believers, we need to recognize that to begin with, over in Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, it says that we have been made fit partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. And that's the team that we now belong to. We've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the Son of God. I'm going to read that. I'm going to go back to the scripture and read that. Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Because I was paraphrasing there, and I would really rather quote it directly. Colossians 1, 12 and 13. <clears throat> uh, he says, Giving thanks unto the Father who has made us meet, or fitting, fitted to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. That's the team you're on. You're on the team of God's light, and he's made you fit to be there. Verse 13, he says that he's delivered us from the power of darkness. He has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. That's the kingdom of light. That's where God says you belong. That's where God says that we need to focus our attention. <clears throat> now that's an accomplished transition, trans, translation, transaction. He's already translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. It's a done deal. There's nothing that we can be done to make it more a done deal. It's already there. You're already there. We, I've quoted this many times, but in Ephesians 2.6, he says that you're already seated with Christ in the heavenlies. That's where you are from God's perspective. That doesn't mean you have to feel that way all the time, but it's a fact. Okay? Nothing can be done to undo it, and nothing can be done to make it more thoroughly true. It's simply where you now live. So the next question, obviously, is how? How do we live that way? What am I going to do with that? Sure, I've got that knowledge, and I have a hard time with it because I don't feel that. I just know it's true. How can I make that a reality? Well, if I go to Ephesians chapter 5, let's turn there. Ephesians 5, it's right after 2 Corinthians, right after Galatians. Ephesians chapter 5. And Paul gives some specific instructions regarding that. And it starts off with where we used to be and where we are now. I'm going to read verse 14 first because I want you to see where we are now. He says, Wherefore he saith, Awake from thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. Uh, that's not the verse I wanted. Where he says, Hmm. Oh, here it is. Uh, verse 8. He says, For you were sometimes, you used to be, you were sometimes darkness, but now... Are you light in the, in the Lord? Walk as children of light. Okay, we're, to, we're to walk as children of light because we are children of light. You don't get that way by doing those things. You do those things because that's where you live. 
Starting in verse 1, it says, Be therefore followers of God as dear children. You're already a child of God. You act like a child of God because you're a child of God. Walk in love as Christ also loved us and has given himself for an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. And then he says there's some things to be left, the, left behind in the darkness. These things belong to the darkness. It's but fornication, sexual immorality, and all uncleanness or covetousness. Let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Leave those things behind. It says, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting. I think some of the newer translations say coarse jesting, uh, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. That those are the things that need to be char characterized in our lives, the giving of thanks. It says, for this you know, that no whoremonger, no unclean person, no covetous man who's an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. If that's your only character... If that's your only nature, is your old nature, then you don't have an inheritance. You're not part of that team. As far as I can, as far as I know from personal knowledge of you, the, everybody in this room has already made a decision that they want Jesus as their Savior. They've already chosen Him as the blood sacrifice that covers their sins, takes away their sins. And because of that, every one of you already is a child of God. And He's saying, as a child of God, act like one. He says. Uh, let no man deceive you with vain words. Because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon whom? Upon the children of disobedience. You're no longer one of the children of disobedience. So don't behave like them. That's why it says, verse 7, therefore, remember whenever it says a therefore, we stop and see what it's there for. Be not therefore partakers with them. You don't belong there anymore. You're not on that team anymore. For you were sometimes, you once upon a time were in darkness, but now you're light, you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. You don't belong there anymore, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by what? By my mouthing off and saying, you ought to do that. You know, that's bad. No, they're made manifest by light. Light is what makes manifest. Light is what dispels darkness. Light is what shows what's real and what's not real. All things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. Whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore, he saith, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. These are the things that, that God says for us to, to grab onto. <clears throat> he says, we once behaved in a similar fashion to the world because we were of the world. We walked in darkness because we were of the darkness. He says, but now are you light in the Lord? Walk as children of light. We're to behave like the children of light because we are children of light. I don't always feel that way, but it's a fact. God is the light. We are his offspring in Christ. Now, what does that look like? How do we walk in the light? Peter has something to say about that, too. We studied it when we just finished our study in Second Peter. He says that we have also a more sure word of prophecy, speaking of the written word, whereunto you do well to take heed, apply it to your life, as unto a light in a dark place. When you have a light, a lamp, a flashlight, some kind of a source of light, 
and you're walking in the dark, you use that light to light up where you're walking so that you don't bump into things, don't trip over things. I, I typically carry a small flashlight in my pocket because outside our house it's really dark. There's no street lights out there. And when the sun comes up, I don't need that light anymore. I can stay in my pocket. How long does Peter say we're to apply that light to our life? He says, we have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day star arise. And I'll read it to you. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 19. <clears throat> he says, we all have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, means apply it, use that light, as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Until the living word comes back and you're seeing Jesus face to face, you need to be using your Bible and applying what you're learning to your life. And when he comes back and you see him face to face, you will not need your Bible anymore. Why? Because you got the living word right in front of you. You won't need your Bible anymore for the first time in history. Until then, yes, you do. You need that. Jesus will be literally physically shining at that point I will no longer need the Bible in fact at that point we're no longer after the well at least after the millennial kingdom we're no longer going to need the sun and the moon and the stars because it says that Jesus will be the light again that's hard for us to think about because our whole life is centered around where we're getting light physically okay Sometimes it gets too hot and we'd like some rain. We'd like a little bit of respite from some of that light from the sun. But the fact is, we have to have that light from the sun, too. 1 John 1.7 says for how, to, how we're supposed to respond to that. 1 John 1.7 says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's how we're supposed to be responding to the light as believers. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 15, says that we're to be blameless and harmless, the children of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Allowing the light of God to permeate our lives so that it spills over into the lives of others. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus said, Let your light so shine among men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's what's supposed to be happening. Each individual's personal response to that light could be partly dependent on our use of that light. Some are going to reject the light in whatever form it comes. It, it, it doesn't matter whether you say anything or don't say anything. They don't want anything to do with the Bible. They don't want anything to do with Christ. They have rejected everything and they don't want any more. Okay? That's a possibility. There are some who are drawn to the light as a general principle, but they'll reject any portion of the light that actually lights up their, their personal sin, in which case, ultimately, what they've done is rejected the gospel because it always points out that I need a Savior, that I'm a sinner. Okay? There's others that are drawn to the light initially, but they could be driven away by the behavior of believers or people who claim to be believers. I think there's, that happens too, that somebody claims to be a believer, they're part of a church like this lady was telling me about, uh, but 
but there is no reality there. And other people that come in contact with that kind of behavior can be inoculated against the gospel, so to speak, to where they don't want to hear it because so-and-so offended me. And you find out so-and-so wasn't a believer either. You know, uh, I knew a guy like that, that his father was murdered. And he went to his father's church, and they wouldn't bury him because they just couldn't get involved. Like, what? And so he went to an evangelical church and asked them, can you bury my daddy? And I said, sure. And, and they did. They held his funeral. They buried him. And, and why his dad's church wouldn't take it? I don't know. I, I don't, it was back east someplace. Maybe there was some kind of organized crime thing they were afraid of. I don't know. But the result was that instead of being drawn to the church that responded well and buried his father, he rejected all churches as being fake. He didn't see that, no, there's some that are real because you wouldn't found one. Okay? No, instead he wanted nothing to do with it. And he stayed that way as far as I know until he died. We can be driven, people can be driven away by our behavior. James says the seed of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. If our response to people around us isn't seeking peace, isn't behaving in a gentle, loving manner, then probably they're not going to be that open to the truth of God either. We need to be aware of how we're affecting people. Now there is coming a day when we're going to fully experience the light of God and bask in his presence. As I already read in Revelation 21, 23, it says the city has no need for the sun or the moon, <clears throat> so forth, that the lamb is his light. But right now, God says, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine that men may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. And Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 35, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have loved one for another. That, that love is to be the light that's shining in our lives, the love of God shining through us and f to other people. This isn't a, a casual thing. It's not something that just happens. It's something that we're, we're deliberately doing. We're looking to see God's word change in our lives. It's possible for our light to be obscured now, we see the darkness in the world around us, but raging against that darkness and political diatribes or, or whatever, that does not help. What is it that dispels darkness? Light. Light is the only thing that dispels darkness. As we said, darkness is just the absence of light. Yelling at the darkness won't help. Calling it names won't help. You know, even if you're right about what you're saying, Ranting against the darkness won't help. Shine light. Okay. The smallest candle dispels darkness within its sphere of influence. Some of you have been in a real dark place where a tiny match or a birthday candle type light is all you've got, and it is enough to walk by. Not very well. You can't see very far, but you can see far enough to go to, to see where you're walking. The smallest candle dispels darkness within its sphere of influence. Whatever light you can shed will dispel darkness within your sphere of influence. So the light we shed can either draw people to Christ or it can be obscured by the darkness in our lifestyle, in our actions, in our words. We need to choose to be the light that God has chosen us to be now, reflecting his light, not casting shadows of sin. 
Each of us has to consider what shadows we may be casting into the lives of those around us. Then all we can do is confess that sin and daily seek to walk in the light as he's in the light. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, we know that on our own we can't live in such a way as to please you. We can't ask, act as your ambassadors. You've chosen us to be your ambassadors. You say we are your ambassadors, but whether we're good ambassadors or not is going to depend on how we're responding to your light in our lives and how we're allowing your word to permeate our lives, how we're allowing your love to shine through us and to flow through us. We want to be that fountain of living waters that you've promised by the Holy Spirit pouring through us. We don't want to be a source of darkness, a shadow in people's lives. Please overrule the sin that's in our lives and fill us with the light of your presence so as to make us a testimony of your grace. Love the world through us and allow us to draw others to you in Jesus' name. Amen.